Ladies, there's a brand new male species in town, and it's called the Bella Fella. Bella. Bella is essential. Wherever you go, whatever you do, wherever you are, just ask NFL Super Bowl legend Willie Parker. The Bella Fella cannot go anywhere without his Bella Couture. Essential oils designed for the man of the night. Bella. It's not just a product, it's a lifestyle. Bella Couture by Jenna Law. La collection. La collection. celebrity I challenge you not to aspire to anyone else's greatness but instead strive to reveal and ignite the greatness within you are you serious I totally think that's it hey no hey, hey. to me sexy is a man that knows who he is and what he wants he's comfortable you look at him you see him he's just comfortable being himself and you're like baby be you be you baby just be you i like it introducing the bu collection exclusively available at kmg fashion superstore
Hey, 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 guys. Um, welcome to the Meta Mind Shift Show. I'm your host. My name is Technical. Uh, I am delighted to be with y'all today. Um, it is uh, it is Wednesday, and so we've moved. If you didn't know, we have moved uh, to uh, Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the U.S., and uh, we're going to give this a whirl and see how it works out. It's working better for my schedule. I know that. Um, but man, it is Wednesday. And so, you know, that's the week is halfway done. Um, and we are right here heading into the last week of February. And um, it's it's Black History Month, y'all. It is Black History Month. And, you know, that is one thing I'm always proud of is being Black. I never got to make apologies for that. And I will never, ever, ever, um, ever, <laughs> ever apologize uh, to anyone uh, for being Black, beautiful, and proud of it. Um, as we head into the metaverse, that's what the show is all about, is, is kind of how can we show up in the metaverse and how can we make our worlds known uh, and how can our worlds transition to this new space uh, when we are virtual and we are integrated and we are interoperable and everything is connecting and touching each other. How do we maintain our privacy and our sanity and enjoy being with our friends and having our things with our friends, but also be able to have some sound mind when it comes to protecting our information? We have seen no end to the number of uh, data breaches that have occurred over and over and over again. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, millions, not thousands, millions lost their information or lost control of their information when T-Mobile was breached. Uh, Google had its own breach. Um, millions, again, lost their control of information. I was actually impacted by that one. Uh, you know, with our EINs out there. So all of our phones and, and, you know, kind of all that access to your phone, all that is out there. And so someone has my information, someone has your information if you happen to be on T-Mobile. So what do we do in the future to make sure that we are not victims of that? And what other new privacy um, issues do we have now that we're stepping into the metaverse? When we think about the metaverse, you know, the metaverse is this big thing and everybody's kind of like really ambiguous about it, but you don't have to be afraid of the metaverse because, you know, we're always going to be there. So like eventually uh, you'll just be in it and you won't really think about the term metaverse. So it won't be so off-putting and it won't be like this foreign object that's over there. It'll just be kind of like the state, the state of being that we exist in. And so you'll have technology vibing all around you. Sometimes you'll jump into that technology. Like I could like walk through this little uh, image behind me. Um, but uh, other times you will have the technology come up uh, in front of you like it does in the movies. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. I want to welcome you to the Meta Mind Shift Show. This is the show where we discuss the metaverse and what is it and what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you and what are the possibilities for you and your business as we head into the metaverse? And you know what? Even if you don't have a business, you can think about the metaverse and what you can do with it. Um, we are seeing artists and creators create space for themselves like 
forget y'all. Y'all, y'all have y'all have told me I couldn't be this thing for my whole life. But you know what? I'm gonna come to the metaverse. I'm gonna come to Web3 and I'm gonna carve out space for myself. And that is what people are doing, and they are really excited about that. And and it's happening, you know. Um, I've done that numerous times, <laughs> like with all the different things that I have I have touched since entering this space. Like it's all been a big kind of, and I'm just gonna say this. So excuse me. It's been like a big f you to everything that I have had to endure in life on the other side. <laughs> like so, in traditional spaces. People tell you, you can't do this. You can't do that. You have to swim in one lane and don't ever change. Um, That is not how I rock. I am not that person. And, you know, for the most part, that's worked out for me. (laughs) Uh, There are some times when it just don't work out. And sometimes you have to conform to standard to get some stuff done. But uh, for those of you guys who don't know, I am an implementation consultant. And what that means is that, first of all, I used to create the policy. So I create the policy and the procedure for an enterprise organization as a process, um, as a process re-engineer and process manager. Sometimes I did that. Um, As an implementation consultant though, what I do is generally, or what I used to do, is generally dive into an organization that was decentralized. So that meant that that organization and entity, it had field offices here, 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 and here. And every single one of those things was doing its own thing. And so everybody was like doing their own thing and they were maybe successful, maybe not, but then they got bought out by like a parent company. And that parent company said, hey, I don't like when y'all are doing this stuff because I can't see what you're doing. So come out from underneath that table so I can see what you're doing. You ever had your, your mom or your grandma tell you some stuff like that? That's what the corporate entities did. So the corporate entity said, okay, Nicole and your transformation team, go out and find out what all these little sites are doing and then come back and tell us so we can fix it. So I would go sit with these sites or uh, with these individuals and we would do what's called a, a gap analysis. And so we would talk through all of the steps that they would do to do things and they would just be rattling off all their procedures and say, well, I do this and I, I created this little bin over here and this little folder does this and I drag it over here to this. Fold. Like they would tell you like everything that they did and people would be really happy about that. And then I would have to take those policies and procedures and I would remap them to the new organization or the the purchasing or acquiring organization. And so that organization, um, we would we would analyze it. And so we'd say, okay, well, this is a good process. So let's keep this. And then we would go through and modify some additional processes and then we completely get rid of other stuff. And oftentimes what that meant was that uh, y'all have ever heard of that that term, you got to conform to to the mold. Well, those sites then had to start using the either newly engineered process or the revamped process, right? And so they had to start using those things. And in doing that, people lost their jobs because I optimized the process and kind of worked people out of it, right? Like that's that was my job. Um, and other times, uh, you could just tell like that site that was so happy with all the processes that they had had, they hate the new ones. 
and they didn't really like it and it wasn't working for them because it didn't have their flavor and essence. And like, they didn't know that, you know, they had done this for 50 years because Bob Jones down the street is a loyal customer and he liked the way that it was done. And so he brought them thousands and millions and all that kind of stuff in, into the doorway. And so as these processes were changed over, people didn't like that idea of conforming to the new company model. Now, sometimes, you know, they got HR benefits and they got all sorts of other stuff. So that worked out. But I'm telling this story for a reason. And that is because it is my go-to when it comes to helping people understand the power behind decentralization when you aren't doing that. So when you're not a big corporate entity, when you're not trying to be a part of a big corporate entity and you're really trying to be, you know, just you and have your little field office and have your field office doing what it does and thriving at that. We're in a state where the world is waking up to the fact that these big entities are just a bit too big. These big entities are out here and they have control of all this information, all this data and all these moving parts and they shouldn't. Like we're going back to a space where those decentralized field offices were the way to go. And so decentralization is taking that power from that big corporate entity up at the top and redistributing it back to the individual sites. And now when you're not talking about the corporate mantra and you're just talking about, you know, kind of the individual, it's taking your information from these big corporate sites and moving it back down to you. It's redistributing that power. That is the power of decentralization. So Blackverse, my community, we had a whole conference last year about the power of decentralization. And that is what that is. So, you know, when you think about a meta mind shift, like what does that have to do with the metaverse? Well, that's the blockchain. So let me be clear. That is the idea behind Web3, which is decentralization. That's the core concept behind Web3. It's one single word, decentralization. And that's too long for people, so they call it Web3. <laughs> um, but it's it's decentralizing and decentering that information back to the individual. And the blockchain is the technology that Web3 chose to decentralize uh, the, the data. Okay, so blockchain is not required in order for you to achieve decentralization. It happens to be the number one technology right now that affords us the opportunity for things like immutability, which is permanency. It affords us distributed nodes and decentralized ledgers, okay? So those things are properties of the blockchain that make it viable for decentralization to occur. Okay. Uh, there's a lot more. So it defines ownership. Uh, it's transparent in a public blockchain, but guess what? There's also private blockchains. There's whole entire private blockchains that do all that stuff, but still maintain a hierarchy. And so there's a gate. You can't get in unless somebody gives you keys, which means somebody has the keys to the kingdom, which isn't really decentralization if you think about it, right? So those are all the different ways that, that blockchain technology is helping to achieve certain things, right? Not nearly all of them, excuse me, <laughs> but that's why Web3 chose blockchain. But guess what? If someone takes the blockchain and breaks it, 
which we we are saying that that is not possible, but I am a believer in technology and I'm a believer in evolution. And I know that eventually, hey, we are going to get to a point where, um, where, you know, somebody is going to perhaps crack that blockchain. So if the blockchain cracks, Web3 is still a thing. And so Web3 will just find the next technology that works to achieve decentralization because the concept behind Web3 is decentralization. Now, when we come to the metaverse, the metaverse is the next experience of the internet. Okay, so it's the next experience of the internet. Web3 is the idea of decentralization as we experience that meta that uh, that that metaverse, right? The next experience, but the actual experience itself is the metaverse. And so, when we're talking about being interconnected, interoperable, and we're talking about having this technology exist around us, that is the metaverse. And so, the metaverse, man, y'all know that's my jam. Uh, metaverse. I feel like I've been in the metaverse my whole entire life. Um, I am thankful uh, because I grew up in technology. I grew up um, loving uh, gaming and uh, loving, you know, being able to um, explore my thoughts in the movies and expand my thoughts in the movies. So that is how, you know, once I, someone told me what the term metaverse was and I was like, oh, well, shoot, I've been here my whole life. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, it was just really, really easy for me to grasp on. And then from that point, I started teaching other people. So what is the metaverse? How does it show up for you? What do you do today? Tell me so I can tell you. And I'm good at that because I have a history of helping people to centralize as they are coming into these organizations um, through the work that I used to do. So all of that is why I'm a great consultant. And so you can call me anytime at technical.com. Uh, uh, or you can reach out to me at techniverse.io. Um, one of the other things, though, is that we're thinking about the next iteration of the internet. And we are thinking about how can we envision privacy in the future? So privacy, man, we all value that uh, to some degree, everybody. I don't care who you are. Like if you're going to uh, the restroom, you close the door. Uh, <laughs> you like some privacy somewhere, somehow. And you know, I like my privacy too. Um, I have unfortunately been the victim of, uh, what do they call that, of impersonation. And so Instagram is notorious for allowing people to impersonate you. And I've been, I've been um, impersonated. And that is just a weird feeling. And to anybody who that's never happened to, it's like somebody jumps inside your skin and then starts speaking as you. That's crazy and weird. Um, and so, you know, you get all your friends and family telling you, hey, did you just call me? No. Well, somebody did. And they asked me for $50 million. And, and it's like, what me? Uh, but you gave them some money because... Um, <laughs> you know, my cash app is blah, blah, blah. They're like, right? Like, why are you, you know, these are people who I've never asked for a dime ever. And, you know, they're coming to me saying, hey, this, this person reached out to me and how do I, how do I do that? So, you know, thinking about privacy, this week, Facebook, Meta, Instagram rolled out um, the idea of paying for protection. 
And I'm gonna just throw this little visual out here. Let's envision Facebook as the bully that's saying that they're gonna protect you from the other bully. Um, when you know, really, just your good, your good common sense should have done that in the first place. Uh, that's not who they are, and so they have allowed these impersonation attempts to to happen. And it's a hassle. Like if you want to actually get it fixed, like you have to reach out, you have to give them your ID and then you're trusting Facebook who has lost data before, Facebook who has um, been just egregious and notorious with, with what they do with data. You're trusting them with your ID and you're trusting that they destroy it when complete, right? And I just don't trust that at all. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it sucks because that's the process you have to go through if you want to get your stuff fixed. And so they've come up with this new process, which is if you just pay $14.99 a month, we will protect your identity for the low cost of $14.99 a month. And it's like, so I signed up. And I gave you my username and you know what my username is and you know when I'm actually online because your system tells you when I'm online. But like this person isn't me and they're using the exact same username or something very similar. And so you can see that they're not me. And instead of you just saying, hey, that's not you. That's not cool. Let's fix this. You're going to say, oh, let me let me get $14.99 and I'll go ahead and uh, I'll take care of that for you. It's like, what, is, what are we doing? Why are we so quick to be like, oh, that's a great idea. Let me pay some money for that. You should just do it by nature. You should just be doing that. And I think that it's kind of crazy that they don't and that people are signing up for it. And I feel like, and I'm going to just say this, y'all be mad at me all you want to, but this is that Apple mentality um, because Apple users like to pay for shit that they don't really need to pay for. And I think that that's crazy. Um, but in the, in the realm of quality, uh, we just pay for it. <laughs> like, it'll make everything better, right? Well, what happens when you pay for it and Facebook still is the same Facebook that they are today and tomorrow and they don't protect your identity and it gets stolen anyway? So you just pay $14.99 a month for three years and it still didn't work and your information still got siphoned from, from their databases. This is the case for decentralization for this week. So as we're thinking about decentralization, or it's one of our cases, we got two. Uh, so we're thinking about decentralization, like our identities is something that we absolutely need to protect with blockchain technology. And I think that we have a great, um, we have a great foundation for it as is, like the blockchain is designed to just allow people to transact. Like, I don't have to know you. You don't have to know me. You ain't got to see my ID. You know my wallet. And my wallet speaks for me and says, hey, this is technical. Ain't but one of her in this whole entire world. Here you go. And that's how it was supposed to be designed. That's how it worked. Um, but we've gotten away from that because people do what they're comfortable with. And so people started telling other folks, hey, you need this, this identity, identity badge, which is going to tell you who you are. And, 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 and it's like, no, I don't <laughs> like, I can't tell you how many times I've shut down that conversation in places like Clubhouse. Like, no, I don't. For what? 
everything that I do on the blockchain in my name is on the blockchain underneath my wallet. And you can go search for that and you could dig for that. Like you could do whatever you want to and you could find all my little transactions. Now, if I do stuff in private or on private blockchains, of course, it's not out there. But that's not these types of transactions. Like it's the publicness of it. And so the other case for decentralization, we're going to come to right after after this commercial break, but uh, we have a lot of different things that are going on in this world where it's like, we need to look at things and look at them from a decentralized lens. Like, what does it look like for us to really say, stop holding my data and let me do it? I got this. What tools do we need in place? in order for the, the average person to be able to do that. And I know me myself, like I am what I call a decentralized innovator. Um, I understand most of this stuff and I get it to a level where it's like, I see the benefit behind all of this. Like I'm, I'm sold. You ain't got to sell me on nothing else. Like just tell me how to use it and I'm good. But there are folks who don't get it and they don't want to get it because they are stuck in their ways. And there are people who cling to Facebook like it is a life jacket or a life vest or a floaty device. And they they don't want to let go of having these big entities do everything for them. Because why? Because people are lazy and that's the easy way to go. It is the easy route. So how do we all get to a space where we are in and operating in the decentralized metaverse, the decentralized metaverse where everything is interconnected and interoperable, but you have sound peace of mind with your data because you own it. You decide who transacts your data, how it gets transacted and when, and better yet, and most importantly, you reap the rewards for it. So I know that I'm on my computer 24 seven Literally, <laughs> literally. But I'm not getting paid for all those transactions that I'm doing on my computer. Only when I hit my Brave browser and I'm like doing other stuff and I'm, I'm actually in the decentralized world do I get paid for that? Because when I do things like read news articles and um, watch movies and uh, do all this other stuff on the, then search the internet, on the regular web or on my Google browser, nobody's paying me to do that. In fact, they're paying other people because I did it. Now, how crazy is that? You did something, but I'm gonna pay somebody else for it. Thanks. <laughs> like what? That don't make any sense, but that's what we do every day. Our data gets transacted and sold every single day. And we are just sitting here letting it happen. But that is the shift. That is the meta mind shift that we all need to have. Even me sometimes where it's like, yo, just shift. <laughs> it's got to go. Like just get to the other side because on the other side, we are going to be empowered owners of our data, of our materials, of the things that we put out into this world. And there is nothing more important than owning your own ish. And so with that said, we are going to head to a commercial break and we will be right back after these messages. Thank you.
So, yeah, that's actually a really good example and a great lead-in. Uh, thank you to Black Multiverse, uh, which I am very proud of. That is one of my organizations. And so, um, yeah, what does it look like to be decentralized? What does it look like when we show up in the metaverse? And how can we show up in the metaverse? What does that take? And how do we stay private? Privacy is the name of the game today. And so when we're thinking about privacy, there's a new article out this week, and I'm going to read a portion of it. Um, the, there's a, news, a new paper that was issued from the University of California, Berkeley, that revealed that privacy may be impossible in the metaverse unless innovative safeguards are created to protect users. So anybody who's listening to this, if you are listening to this and you are an innovator, hey, uh, and then also um, there is a need to create. And so as we're heading into the metaverse and the world is kind of shifting towards that, the blockchain, AI, um, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, all those things are going to be very necessary as we head into the future of the world, right? So the future of what that looks like, the experience of the world. When we are thinking about that, it is essential that we have tooling, right? So we always talk about tooling for development and technology, but tools are going to be very, very essential. Um, and so listen up because if you create something or if you're a creator, now is the time to really come in and create a tool that can fix some of these problems that we're seeing as we scale into the metaverse. It's like the the, the world's biggest scale is going to be shifting into the metaverse. Um, so what happened is uh, they conducted a study uh, at the Center for Responsible Decentralized Intelligence. And oh, my God, I have to go visit that. Uh, and they involve the largest data set of user interactions in virtual reality that has ever been analyzed for privacy uh, risks, right? So they took that study, which was recently released, they took that and they found some really, really important information. So I'm taking time out of the show to really just dive into this because it is extremely important, okay? So this article came out uh, a couple days ago. When did this come out? Um, it's not new. So yeah, it came out, um, a couple days ago. And so we have talked about the metaverse and like what it looks like and, and the importance of having a headset and knowing that you're being tracked and what the future problem is with tracking, right? So I've talked about having that headset on and the data that's being collected, like they're seeing how your eyes react to things. They're seeing, and, and eventually they're gonna be sensing how your um, pulse quickens when you you know, rise high or when you see a certain color or something that is attractive to you, that difference and, and change. But, this is this is the reality of that. Like, this is the other side of that. Like, after all that data has been collected, here's what we got. 
So some research, some research, some researchers even worry about emerging technologies like EEG sensors that can detect unique brain activity through your scalp, right? So data streams pose serious privacy risks in the metaverse. So turning them off might not even provide you with anonymity. That's because even the most basic data stream needed to interact in a virtual row, a virtual world, just simply moving maybe all that's required to uniquely identify you within a large po uh, population. Oh my God. When I read this, like my mind was blown. Simple motion data. By that, the writer of this article means that there are three data points that are tracked by virtual reality systems. Ready? So one is the user's head. Okay. It's one point on the head. The other is one on each hand. So if you've got a headset, obviously it's got three, 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 um, three points where you're touching it, unless you have one of the new ones. So let's just stick with the old ones. So you got the head, which actually covers your eyes and your ocular area, and you have your hands, which detect motion. Okay. Um, researchers call this telemetry data. All right. So check this out. Unique identification of 50 thousand plus virtual reality users from head and motion data. That is what the study is called. Oh my God. The research, the, the researchers analyzed 2.5 million VR data recordings and they were fully, um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm never going to say that right. Animized, right? So they were fully and completely anonymous from more than 50, thousand players of the popular game Beat Saber, which I know everybody on here has at least played if you have a VR headset. And what they found is that individual users could be uniquely identified with more than 94% accuracy using only a hundred seconds of motion data. A hundred seconds. 60 plus 60, that's two minutes. So less than two minutes 94% of people could be identified just using that out of 50,000. Now, y'all, 50,000 people can be identified easily, easily using the accuracy that they listed here, 94%. Even more surprising of that was that half of all users could be uniquely identified, check this out, with two seconds of motion data. That means you flipped once or you turned twice. Like <laughs> that's not even like I took longer than that to just turn my head. Two seconds. This level of accuracy required innovative AI artificial intelligence techniques, but still the data was used extremely sparse. Just the three points for each user tracked over time. That is absolutely insane. Now y'all tell me, I'm telling you, I have been saying this for a very long time that we need to be very worried about what's happening inside of that VR headset, especially as we're moving into haptics. This doesn't even take into account haptics, which is feedback, your sensory feedback. Like that's not even taking that into account. In other words, anytime that a user puts on a mixed reality headset, grabs two standard hand controllers and begins interacting in a virtual or augmented world, they are leaving behind a trail of digital 
fingerprints that can uniquely identify them. Of course, how do these digital fingerprints compare to actual real world fingerprints? Oh my God, this article gets so deep. Okay, so, so let's pause for a second. So what this is saying is that no matter who you are, there is a certain way that you behave in a virtual space. And because of that behavior, they are able to track you. And because they're able to track you, they can uniquely identify which one of the movements was you because you tilt your head at a 45 degree angle every three and a half seconds or you have a slight twitch. And so like things like that, like think about that, like all of that data is being collected. Now, first and foremost, let me ask you. And let me ask Berkeley. Were the 2.5 million users where this data was collected, the 2.5 million users, did they opt in to this survey? I don't think I opted in. And you know what? You probably did because in order to use that headset that we love so much, you have to opt in sometimes. And so that probably is a part of the privacy policy. I'm going to go look that up. I don't know the answer to that. So if somebody else does, hit me up in the comments because I don't know. All right. So let's just think about this. Skipping past a little bit of this because I, I got to focus. So um, when thinking about your fingerprints, right? Like they tell you like for sure, for sure, no two fingerprints are the same. It's, it's simply not found that the two, the two different people will have the same fingerprints. It's very rare, right? Um, fingerprints, whether lifted from a physical location or captured by a scanner on your phone, aren't as uniquely identifiable as people think. So if you consider that um, it's an accuracy of one out of 100,000, like that's the reality of it, according to NIST, right? NIST said that others have found that fingerprint testing, it's like, so it goes into fingerprint testing a little bit. So um, let's just skip past all that. Berkeley's study suggests that when a user swings a virtual saber at, which is a beat, you know, a, your hand basically, at an, an object flying towards them, the motion data that they left behind might be more uniquely identifiable than their real world fingerprint. Wow. What? I'm like in shock behind this whole article. It's crazy. Um, it's a serious privacy risk. Uh, in addition, this same motion data can be used to accurately infer a number of specific personal characteristics about the users, including their height, their handedness, right? And the gender. So like, what are you right-handed or left-handed is what that means. And then when you combine that with other data, such as commonly tracked and virtual and augmented environments, this motion-based fingerprinting method is likely to yield even more accurate results. So I think that that is absolutely insane. These are what are known as your digital, I'm going to call them virtual fingerprints instead of uh, your digital fingerprint, because we always have, we have your digital footprint, but now we've got a digital fingerprint. 
Moving around in a, a virtual world while streaming basic motion data would be like browsing the internet while sharing your fingerprints on every single website you visit. However, unlike web browsing, which was does not require anyone to share their fingerprints, the streaming of motion data is a fundamental part of how the metaverse currently works. My God, you guys, this is insane. To give you a sense of how insidious uh, motion-based fingerprinting could be, consider the metaverse of the near future, a time when users routinely go shopping in virtual and augmented worlds. Whether browsing products in a virtual store or visualizing how new furniture might look in their apartment, uh, they might be using mixed reality eyewear. Users are likely to perform common physical motions such as grabbing virtual objects off of virtual shelves or taking a few steps back to get a good look at um, a virtual piece of furniture. How many of us have done? I know I've done that. Like anytime Artsy builds something, like I go in and I look around and I'm like, oh, shoot, look at this. It's hot. You know, and, and so we do do that for sure. Any world I'm in, the first thing I do if I'm able to is I fly upwards um, and I'm able to zoom all the way out and take like a, a global view of the world. Um, that's just the thing that I like to do. Uh, they also probably know about me, even though I share that quite a bit. They also, you know, know about me, how I react to certain colors and spaces. Uh, that is that is scary because when we think about this stuff, like on its own, some of that is very, very innocent, right? Like it's not an issue at all. But when you think about that and then couple it with advertising, and you couple that with all the problems we've had with advertising and politics over the last several years, this is a huge problem because our privacy is something that that we can't reclaim. Our identity is something we cannot reclaim. So once the doors are open to that kind of information or that kind of information is stolen from Facebook, uh, who's keeping it in regular databases, we're done. Like you can't go back and say, oh no, I move different now. Like, okay, well, you still have that twitch. Uh, it's, it's natural. You didn't really know it was there in the first place, but you have like a little tick. And so like every single, every couple of minutes, like your your headset goes up and down and like, you don't even know it, but it's happening. There's some stuff that like you are being forced into, if you're wearing these headsets, you're not forced. First of all, let me fix that sentence. Uh, you are putting yourself in a position where your information is available. So listen up, innovators. I told you guys to listen uh, when I first started this. And so I am going to, again, ask you to listen to me now. We need people out here to build for the metaverse. And so our communities especially need people to build for the metaverse because things like this are egregious and can get out of control if in the wrong hands. We need safeguards for the metaverse. So please, decentralized innovators that are out there, all of y'all, I need you guys to get out here and get busy. Dive into the blockchain, learn what that's all about, 
and then come to a space where you understand how you can use your talents and gifts to tap in and start building, creating, and innovating. Because that is the coolest thing that you can possibly do is to help someone else understand or help someone else to flourish. And so those are the things that we need to be doing as community. So this article goes on and on and on and on and on and provides a ton of other things, but I am going to say that this article is available on VentureBeat uh, at VentureBeat.com. The article is called New Research Suggests That Privacy in the Metaverse Might Not Might Be Impossible. And so we like to break that word impossible down into I'm possible. And that is that is the key. You are the key to making sure that those kinds of things um, are not realities. We have got to fix the privacy um, the privacy plug and, and plug it uh, so that our data is retained in a safe way. And the way to do that is to put it on a blockchain. All right. Or some other technology that's equally wonderful or better. <laughs> All right, y'all. So uh, we are here at the end of, um, of, of what we're going into, but I have a couple more things I want to share with you. And so first of all, um, go check out Metaverse Winter. All right. So Metaverse Winter, we've had Crypto Winter. Uh, now it is it is Metaverse Winter. And so they're calling it Metaverse Winter. Uh, it is the recession of the Metaverse. Uh, I don't buy that at all. I think people are just out here building and they just kind of decided to get quiet. Do you know what happens when we get quiet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all know what happens when you get quiet. Don't don't mess with me. <laughs> That's what happens. All right. Uh, next up, um, NASA is actually uh, entering the metaverse. So that's so funny just because like my brain just just processed that visual, uh, NASA entering the metaverse. Um, so NASA actually is giving uh, a, um, a, they're asking the, the community uh, to build out a virtual reality Mars simulator. So uh, the competition, which you can participate in, so please go and all y'all innovators out there, go participate. Participants will be given a um, access to a pre-constructed digital world that emulates the terrain and gravitational conditions of Mars. And then you're going to be tasked with constructing specific missions in the realm. Uh, there's a storyboard and then actual VR development. So those are really cool. 2300 Participants have already entered the competition. $70,000 is going to be distributed to multiple winners. So I hope that somebody I know actually um, has this happen and, and makes this happen for themselves. Um, NASA, we haven't heard from NASA, or at least I haven't heard from NASA when it comes to the metaverse. So this is really nice uh, to see because I am somebody who absolutely loves space and I love the things that are possible when you think outside of the four walls you are in. And oftentimes that leads me to feeling like I'm on Mars. Uh, and so that is, <laughs> or Pluto, because preferably Pluto, but um, Mars will do. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we're uh, expanding as much as humanly possible is my point. All right. Um, the last article that I have is, oh, I wanted to talk to y'all because y'all know I'm a movie buff. Okay. So first of all, let me stop and give myself kudos. So kudos to me. This is my artwork of the week. This is the rabbit hole. This is the rabbit meets the metaverse and jumping down the metaverse rabbit hole. 
Um, <laughs> so that is what happened. Uh, I make art with my brain. Uh, <laughs> I like to say that I've made it with my mind. Um, so that is my, my rabbit hole of the day. Um, and you know, I am going to start doing that because I don't, I don't brag on my own artwork, uh, too much, but that is a Nicole Maxwell AI generated original. Uh, I started doing those last year for, uh, the 30 days of metaverse. We're going to continue that this year. Um, but you know, as I am thinking about certain things, I wanted to say a couple things. So the 24th of this week is the Metaverse Creators Hackathon. So if you are interested in becoming a Metaverse creator, there is a week of training followed by a week of building. And so you can go to metaversecreators.net and I'll actually put that into the chat. Um, it is metaversecreators.dev. Uh, and then... Um, so that is, that is something that everybody can go do now. You're going to check out metaversecreators.dev. Um, and then that's a hackathon. Like I said, it's starting on the 24th. And so you need to register. Make sure you're registered in advance. You can have teams of four. Um, and then you can also have, um, you can go as an individual. Uh, or I'm not sure if they pair up individuals with teams, um, like most other hackathons do. It didn't appear to be that way when I signed up. Um, what else? We talked about privacy. We talked about, um, we talked about decentralization and, and, and Mars. <laughs> and then, you know, time flies differently when we're in the metaverse, when we're thinking about the metaverse every single week, I swear it moves like, like there's a saying, I'm not going to say what that saying is, but that time flies. And so when you're in the metaverse or you're in Web3, you're doing all this stuff, you're doing, 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 and you get to doing so much. It's like, oh my God, your brain is going at like 50 miles per hour, right? It's important for all of us that we stop and just pause. Like there's a saying in Web3 and that is FOMO, fear of missing out, right? So you have this fear of missing out. Take some time to figure things out, really understand how you can tap in, really understand what feels good to you and what kinds of ways that, that you feel like tapping in. Find those things and dive in those rabbit holes. Don't go for the whole entirety of the entirety. Now, with the exception of you got to understand your wallet, you got to understand cryptocurrency a little bit and you need to understand how to transact. Beyond that, figure out where you fit in. So if that's NFTs, if that's dApps, if that's DAOs, like jump into that lane and like really flush it out and then expand your mind and your horizons. Like for me, I like to, to jump through different things um, quite a bit. So, so I don't necessarily do that, but that's because that's how I work. Um, even me. I have had to slow down. Uh, I was doing so much the last two years. I had done just so much. And it's like my body and my my knee just said, you know what? What happened to life? Where did, where did that go? We need to get back to, to that too and incorporate life into being decentralized and, and understanding the metaverse and helping other people get it and helping other teams understand these things. So 
we need to do that, right? So I'm digging my bunny ears, by the way, because bunny ears are hot. Uh, <laughs> they're backwards, but they're still cute. Um, so anyway, so I am a big movie fan. Uh, for all y'all who know, um, Metaverse Nights in the Movies, uh, Movie Night in the Metaverse, every Friday night happens for the Blackverse community that is now part of Black Multiverse. It's always been a part of Black Multiverse, but we're just kind of shifting labels there. Um, so Movie Night in the Metaverse happens every Friday at 8 p.m. Um, and then we start the movie at around 8.30, 9 o'clock. We're, lately, we're going to be in spatial. So um, most recently, we've been in spatial. But that's subject to change at any point in time, too. Um, I watched a movie, y'all, called Megan. And oh, my God, I was so happy I watched this movie. First of all, the world is on this whole buzz about AI and, and chat GPT and, like, all these, these automated tools that we have now. But Megan is a robot that is programmed to just be you know, and so she is sentient, almost kind of, she is sentient. Um, and she is a robot who reacts and she speaks and she talks and she's, she's built in the form of a young girl. Um, and then of course, because it's a movie, she goes crazy because uh, we, we tend to love those things. Um, so uh, she's actually, um, it's actually a really good movie and they got it so right. And I think that there was one point at the beginning of the movie that I wish I could, I wish I could have had a class with me watching it or I could just be like, look right there. That's when it happens. This is why decentralization is necessary because there's this part in the very beginning when she is um, like somebody just says something and it's like, Oh, just do this with the data. And it's like, you shouldn't be able to just do that with the data. Like you should have to go through some kind of something uh, to make that happen. And they were just like, well, yeah, we knew we were supposed to use it for this, but we just shifted this data over here and just used it for that instead. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. That's it right there. Like, that's why I can't stand databases right now. But like that, that was it. Um, watch that movie. Cause it's actually really good uh, for those of you who have, um, uh, aversion to thrillers or horror movies. It's not really a horror movie, but you might feel a little queasy. So do what works for you. For me, I'm a movie buff and I love all things movie, most of them. So um, that was fun. <laughs> I was so happy that I watched that movie and it was actually really, really well put together. I feel like they got the tech good too, which is also important to me. <sighs> Having said that, a couple things as we close out. Number one, the Funkin' Future Festival has been postponed. It has not been canceled. Uh, we're still going to be featuring Tony Cam uh, in probably June, looking to have a June date. Uh, but we ran into some issues with the facility there. So we opted to keep folks safe and to make sure that our, our, our teams were safe and things like that. So we went ahead and postponed uh, the venture out there. Um any ticket holders that are watching, uh, you guys definitely have received emails. If you did not, please look for emails from info at maxdistro.live. Uh, and we will make sure that you are taking care of all of our ticket holders did get upgraded to uh, the funk or the future tier package, uh, which was $199 and the 40 the the $39.99 that tickets originally were. So um, all ticket holders have been have been upgraded. All sponsors and vendors have been taken care of as well. Um, 
we also, guys, it is coming. March is here. So I am hosting a spring break adventure in the metaverse. If you don't know what the metaverse is, if you are interested in finding out, if you want to dip your feet and your toes into the metaverse and see what that looks like for you, join my spring break metaverse because you're going to get all of that and more. You get uh, six days of me, three hours a day. Um, and we're going to just take it slow. You're going to be able to ask questions and get things uh, working. And that's the, like the ultimate meta mindship. So um, tap in with me for your spring break metaverse adventure. And then at the end of the month, next month, I'm so happy, so elated to finally be able to announce this is happening. Uh, the Black Women of Metaverse uh, inaugural luncheon is happening on March 26, 2023. And so you are not going to want to miss that. Um, it is a, it's going to be a, a great affair. Um, but really, it's about honoring women who have innovated. So if you have been an innovator, if you you stepped out and you stepped out on faith and just said, you know what, I'm going to do something cool as shit, and you put that out there, <laughs> then congratulations to you, and congratulations to everyone who supported you through that. And so that journey has not been necessarily easy, but it has certainly been fun. So congratulations to all the Black Women of Metaverse. That community is being built up now. Uh, community access is free. Um, and so as we are approaching the luncheon dates, the actual community will come up and all members will be um, allowed to join. There is also paid membership. And so that membership gives you some extra perks and things like that. Um, and you know, it's just, it's really, a, it's a cool thing and I'm glad to be able to put it out into the world and I'm hoping, and I cannot wait to see everybody there. Um, and that will be broadcast on Max Distro. Um, in addition to that, like, so those are the two big ones for me. Um, in addition to that black multiverse next week, um, Man, we've been quiet all month long because uh, we've been talking about this Funk and Future Festival thing uh, that has been postponed. Um, but we have been quiet. And so let me just say this quickly. So um, Black Multiverse will be doing the Skill Up program for the three days of the week next week. So uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I think. So anyway, the last week of the month, we will do the Black um, Multiverse Skill Up program. Uh, which is where we provide people skills for utilizing Google products. And so we'll do some some new uh, new sessions for that. You'll be able to register for all the things that I've just talked about at techniverse.io. T-E-C-H-N-I-K, no, T-E-C-H-N-I verse.io. Uh, and so that is techniverse. Um, there's no K in there. Uh, none of that. It is techniverse. Um, in addition to that, you guys, I really have to stop and just say thank you to two individuals, three individuals. So first of all, thank you to Mark Lee, who is my buddy in Max Distro. And then also I want to say thank you to George Grant for the support that you provided uh, early this year. And then I also want to say thank you to Bert Rell, uh, man, uh, Crypto Solicitations, Bert Rell, the EE Testing Center, all of that. Sir, you have come through like nobody's business. And I just, I thank you um, because, yeah, we, I, I can't even say why, but you know why. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to my board members. Thank you guys for being around and for being on tap. 
we're going to head out of here with a little bit of sponsorship from our artsy and um, also just thank you to everybody who's watching. Please take a minute to like and subscribe if you have not. Take your data seriously because that is someone's access to your digital identity and you don't need to have someone accessing that unless you want them to be. So uh, this episode has been dedicated to privacy. This is Nicole and my voice is resting. Thank you. Mm -hmm.